Hi, I'm Dr. Sab Cohen-Hatton. I'm a neuroscientist specialising in human and animal learning mechanisms. I'm Jamie Penrith. I'm a former police dog handler and I work exclusively with dogs who like to chase other animals. And I'm Danny Wells. I'm a dog trainer that specialises in unwanted behaviour. And every week we sit down to chat about the latest research in canine science. And more importantly, how you can apply that to your own dogs to get to know them even better. Welcome to the Dog Scholar. I've got a... No, Sab, I've got a question today. Does your dog get stressed at the same things that you do? Today, we're looking at dogs in stressful situations. Ooh, Sab. that's a good question. When you're talking about putting dogs in stressful situations, um, in a former life, I obviously worked with dogs in what most people would consider to be very stressful situations, you know, be that searching for criminals, be that searching for people who are a risk to themselves or a risk to others, you know, searching for valuable pieces of property, defending um, against violent people at football matches or violent incidents, etc., etc. There's a lot of situations that I personally have dealt with and a lot of people around the country, around the world deal with with their dogs where it is what we would consider to be a highly charged, highly stressful situation. So I think this could be a really, really interesting episode for us to go into here to explore how those sort of situations are perceived by us and perhaps perceived by our dogs and whether or not they correlate. Mm. It's a really good point. I've done 22 years in the fire service and I've been to some horrendous jobs where buildings have collapsed and we've got our USAR dogs, urban search and rescue dogs, who go into the into the broken down buildings where no one else can go and they find people that are surviving in the rubble. And honestly, it's such a horrendous situation. It's so stressful, but they're the happiest happiest beings on that incident ground they really are the things that they'll do just for a ball is incredible so you know you take the difference between the people in that situation who acknowledge the impact and the ramifications and all of the stress that goes with that and you compare it to the dogs that are really happy and who want to play their game to get a reward at the end of it it's totally different so i don't think dogs do see things as stressful as we do i think they see different things stressful i think there are things that they find stressful that we wouldn't bat an eyelid at um, yeah, well, I think that the two things that you have both explained there is they have one thing in common, that the, the both of them dogs in them situations are on task. Mm-hmm. They have a job to do and they're working to produce a reward. So the stress, the environmental stress that people might feel is perceived as in the background. It's yeah. not really apparent to them dogs in them situations. But what is stress, Sab? Well, Let's define stress. It's a good question because when you talk about stress, people kind of think about different things, don't they? And if you think about stress as some kind of like strain or pressure or tension that you experience, stress could be physical, can't it? You can be you can experience physical stress if something's pulling on your arm and it's pulling down. That's stress on your arm. It's that tension. But it can also be emotional or psychological as well. You can experience a situation that stressful and if you think of like that acute stress something that's happening in the moment you you kind of you get sweaty you get heart palpitations you 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 know you feel uncomfortable in that moment your heart beats a bit faster you breathe a bit uh, a, a bit faster but then you've also got chronic stress which is what's happening to your body over a long period of time when you're experiencing something that's that's really stressful and that has a really big impact on your body and in fact 43% of adults experience some kind of adverse health effects from stress. 
And according to some sources, between 70 to 90% of doctor visits are for stress-related complaints and ailments. It's so a stressful world we live in, isn't it? It is. It, so it, it, really is, is. it is. It's not getting any better either, is it? No, no. Is it? No. But then you've got a difference as well then between stress and distress. So sometimes stress can be adaptive. It can push you on to do something. You can be in a difficult situation, feel a bit stressed and it pushes you on. It gives you the motivation to get out of the other side. Whereas distress is when it's too much. You know, you get overwhelmed, you feel something from it. So there is definitely a difference. Um, And I think that arguably is common across dogs and people. But your question is whether dogs feel the same kind of stress as us, whether they think the same things are stressful. Yeah, very interesting. interesting. So, Sab, is there any science that shows how dogs particularly cope in stressful situations? Yeah, there is, actually. I found one really interesting study that looked at dogs that were deployed to emergency situations at 9-11, actually. And they compared the impact of the stressful situation, per se, on them, and they compared them to dogs that weren't deployed to 9-11. And it was actually really interesting because they found that um, they looked to see if there were any changes that would show whether the impact of the situation had any kind of long-term stressful impact on the dogs. Um, And interestingly, there really wasn't. You know, they couldn't find any long-term impact. There was no increase in their anxiety. There was no impact on their appetite. They weren't more fearful as a result of it. So the deployments definitely didn't adversely affect their behaviour at all. And it shows for me that perhaps dogs are a lot more resilient to stressful situations than we might have first thought. uh, that's not a surprise to me as as a dog. As a dog trainer, and I'm sure it's not for Jamie, who has excessive experience, extensive experience, should I say, with um, with dogs that are also put in, in stressful situations. Because, you know, whilst as human beings we perceive 9-11 as an absolute travesty, you know, it, it's a very emotional time that's, you know, sparked fear and anxiety in a lot of people. To a dog that's trained to do a job, that's the best day in the world. That is just, I'm going to work. I'm yeah. going to find this and get my ball so they're not really perceiving the stress as we would as human beings. Yeah. I think another really interesting point to make there is that in something like, you know, a catastrophic event like 9-11, like earthquakes, you know, like situations where you're looking for potentially trapped, wounded, injured people, yeah. dogs don't know that. Yeah, yeah, not to, at all. To, to a dog, the dog is performing the exercise that the dog has been yeah. trained to perform, like you say, in anticipation of the reward of the ball at the end of it or the praise of the yeah. owner, the tra- or the handler, the trainer at the end of it. <clears throat> but it, it, it sort of like draws us into this, um, the potential for the discussion of if the dog doesn't know that it's actually looking for wounded people or that mm. there are lives at risk, can the dog understand that it's a stressful yeah. situation in the same way that the person can who's there and that's dealing with that. You it's know, a with, with a, with a, yeah. It is. Yeah. And, and to, by and large, the, the, where we talk about dogs as being heroic yeah. for performing actions in situations like this, yeah. it sort of can lead us into, the, yeah. into that discussion, can't yeah. it? As uh, can, can they really understand? Not there's anything wrong with it, but can they really understand heroism yeah. no. if they can't understand the concept that they're searching for, you know, yeah. wounded mm. victims or, or, or yeah. people whose safety is yeah. Is well, so state. yeah. So really, you know, we can we can absolutely admire you know the actions of these dogs that are trained to do a specific mm. task and the handlers and the handler. Yeah, well, the handlers of of course you can you can you can put them in the brackets of um, heroism because they understand the dangers and the implications mm. of the task they're doing. The dog is simply doing a job that it really enjoys mm. doing and it's it's um it's producing the rewards that like like Jamie was saying before. But isn't that interesting that there was no response from the dogs to the stress of the humans in the situation? I mean in yeah. my experience Drive. when I've been on jobs the stress comes from the people that are trapped usually 
It's yeah. it's the people that yeah. are involved that you're trying to rescue. The people that are there doing the work, yeah. although it's an incredibly stressful situation. I know from experience, I don't know if you were the same, Jay, but I wouldn't necessarily feel stressed until I got in the car and started to drive home. Right. You know, or when yeah, I got yeah. home and started to reflect on it and think about it, because when you're there, you're really focused on yeah. the job. You 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 turn totally. you, yeah, you yeah. are turning up to do what you're trained to, what your Absolutely. job is to do. And to be honest with you, even though it might be a very, very harrowing situation or a very, very challenging situation, a difficult situation, a lot of the time that stress can actually propel you to perform better. Yeah, yeah. And and to be able, yeah, to be able to block out those yeah. negative aspects and actually do yeah. what you're there to do. Yeah. You know? I think it's um it's also worth mentioning about um drive disposition in dogs. So driving a dog is like real extreme excitability towards one particular thing. And what Sab was saying about him, um, they weren't responding to the people's stress. Drive can be a powerful tool on a dog, can't it, Jamie? Mm. So when that dog is specifically driven towards finding someone because they know that's going to bring a ball, produce a ball, they're not really taking in the environment. Much like if you're, you know, if you're working in an environment and you're really, really hungry, People might be talking to you, but you've not really comprehended what they're saying because your mind is completely focused mm -hmm. on, I'm really hungry. That's what drive can do to a dog. So whilst everyone around them might be really stressed, the, the drive takes over and they're just on task. They're just doing the job that they were trained to do. Yeah, they're completely focused. It's like, did you ever see that experiment? I know we were talking about this video where um, you have to watch um, people playing basketball and you've got to try and count how many times they shoot the basketball yeah. goes from the people in the purple yeah. kit to the to the white kit and they say at the end did you notice did anything you, did you and you're like how many did you count yeah. Oh, yeah. and there's a gorilla yeah, 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 walking I've across the background yeah. and then the gorilla's even bouncing the ball yeah. no one noticed yeah. because your attention is on that focused. task yeah exactly and yeah. it's arguably quite similar here isn't it so the stress the situation is stressful because of the context and of what we understand is happening and the implications of that mm. and the loss of life. But the dog isn't necessarily processing it mm. to that extent, to the point that they will then feel stress yeah. because of the complications of mm. the situation. So Sometimes you can think that we're, um, we're plagued by our understanding of situations, aren't we? That is a blissful ignorance that mm. all that all that chaos and fear is going on, but... I just find me ball. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a great it's a great way to live. Do you know what? It really is. It I really wish I is. could get that excited I, over a ball. I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning as well that, you know, as, as much as we're talking about acute and chronic stress, there's also the psychological and the physical aspects of stress. And like you say, for anything to change, anything to change, you need to put it under a degree of stress. It's important for, um, for us to, to acknowledge that... Uh, minor or even sometimes major yeah. physical stresses can be overcome a lot easier than psychological stresses. So you may well remember or find it hard to forget the person who perhaps made your school life miserable, you know, or, or particular bad experiences that you had on a psychological level, whereas it's quite easy to forget. And in fact, it's very, very hard to uh, accurately remember the feeling experienced when you last stubbed your toe, yeah, you yeah. know, or you last did something that was particularly painful. Oh, no, I can tell you now. Well, <laughs> also, I, just, I fell off my chair, dear listeners. Yeah, yes. <laughs> just, prior, just prior to this being filmed, just so you know. Yeah. But yeah. You, won't, yeah, you won't forget that because of the shame. The actual yeah. physical feeling that you felt when you hit the floor yeah. won't be the thing that you remember. It'll yeah. be the shame yeah. and the embarrassment. Yeah. Of, of, of us laughing. It was, it was the noise that came from. 
Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've ever made that noise whilst laughing in my life. That was that was hilarious. But um, but yeah, great so, point. But, but yeah. I do, yeah, and and I think it's you know it's it's important that we we acknowledge that you know life, as you said, isn't it? Life yeah. is stressful. Life contains yeah. stresses. It, and I, we yeah. need to be able to deal with those and go through them. The more that we allow dogs to experience things that they might find a little bit difficult, but show them that they can get over it and that they can get through it, and we develop that resilience and we build that character at a young age mm. rather than holding them back and preventing them from experiencing things, I think gives you a far more rounded animal. I 100% agree with that. 100% agree with that. So, you know, I've I seen a brilliant quote that some of the best things in life are on the other side of adversity. And, you know, being direct, like what you were saying, getting out there, Jay, sometimes you have to go through some stress to remove some stress. Agreed. Um, and I, for sure, have seen that over the last decade of dog training. I've seen many dogs overcome irrational fear by just sensibly approaching the stress and pushing through and even in in a personal level as as you you know in the fire service and myself formerly in the police service the first time that i went even to arrest somebody and had to give the caution to the person that i was arrested i forgot the guy was twice my age you know it's like trying to arrest your dad <laughs> and the nerves that are running through you and the stress that is pumping through you and your mouth goes dry and your words don't come out and you would you know it would be very nice to not have to go through that experience in order to be able to develop. But by going through it with the assistance of a, you know, an experienced officer who's with you to be able to guide you and to be able to assist you, you, you develop, you develop the resilience, you develop the ability and the confidence in exactly the same way that dogs you know, to transfer that understanding onto our dogs and say, this is how we do it. This is how we build you. This is how we make you so that you're not terrified of everything, barking at everything, running away from everything, you know, unprepared to put yourself into certain situations. Building yeah. resilience, really isn't is. it? Whether you're a person that's trained to go into a stressful situation, you've done that training, so you've built your resilience to that stress and you can operate then in it. Or whether you're a dog that thinks scare stairs are a bit scary and you push through it and you go, oh, actually stairs aren't that scary after all I yeah. can do this it's building resilience little tick in the box move on we're fine I was say, you know that more than anybody you got a phenomenally successful book on the topic that you've you yeah, know written, you so written yourself yeah. so available in all good books yeah, yeah. Yeah. okay so Sam that study covered observable behavioural changes but wouldn't there also be underlying changes as well that perhaps we couldn't see even if the dogs hadn't been through uh, you know, particularly traumatic experiences, dis displaying particularly traumatic observable behaviours? Well, it's a really good point, actually, because it's not just the behaviours that change. Stress does have an impact on your body. So there are tests that you can run that will see whether or not your body's experienced stress. There will be changes. And I did find one study that looked at medical surveillance of dogs who were deployed to 9-11 and also to the Pentagon terrorist attack. So again, very stressful situations, very similar to the first. The first just did 9-11, but this was the two. And it looked at the dog's overall health as well as their behaviour. Um, so the dogs were examined by vets and they had um, scans of their chests and blood samples that got analysed then to see whether or not there was anything that would indicate any long-term impact of stress. Um, and there really weren't. There weren't any abnormalities with their hearts or their lungs or anything like that from the situation, which was really good. There were higher concentrations in their blood of some toxins from the toxin exposure, which you'd expect yeah, from, yeah. from the situation. So there was something there, but there weren't any biological indicators that suggested that the dogs had experienced adverse stress as a result of going to those two incidents nothing at all see that's really i find that really interesting because as um dog trainers and as dog owners there is such a common 
theme to take what we might find as stressful and push that on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And absolutely, like we've we've said uh, previously, haven't we? You know, burdening our dogs with the same thought processes. But if we're saying there that the science has shown that there weren't these physiological or psychological or you know internal changes mm-hmm. that w- that would support that, then that's really really interesting to hear that you know perhaps we haven't got everything right when we. You know, yeah. when we think, when and we quite reassuring, have. actually. Yeah, it is. Quite reassuring. Well, when I think about the kind of situations that I know in my work as a, a as a fire as a fire chief, I'm putting my dogs into. You know, I know that when I'm doing that, there's evidence out there that shows it's not going to have an adverse impact on the stress of the dog. You know, that's yeah. that's really encouraging for me because these dogs do such an important job. There will be a lot of people who disagree with the use of dogs in certain situations that we would consider to be perilous or dangerous, you know, situations that we wouldn't want to be in. So it's not fair. The dog can't give consent. Why are you putting the dog into that situation? But just like you said there and like the research there is showing, the dog isn't feeling the same thing that you might feel if you were in that situation. But instead, in many instances, the dogs are trained to thrive, you know, to really come alive in those situations. They actually live for it. And whilst they are thriving, I think, you know, it it, it can upset people. But the reality of the situation is we train dogs for purpose to save human lives. And if something untoward was to happen in them situations... It's very, very sad and unfortunate if something was to happen to a dog, but that means that that particular man or woman goes home to their family in that night. And, you know, that that is an overwhelming, like, responsibility that dogs have and, and why we should really be grateful for them. It's a legal and moral obligation yeah. and duty that we have yeah. as well, isn't it? You yeah. know, you, you'd be hard pushed to stand there and defend yourself saying, I let the child die yeah. because I didn't think my dog was going to like the experience of going in there. Yeah. You know, and I think there's yeah. there is that trade-off where... Yeah. You know, we have to look at it very, very objectively and things like yeah, that. There's Definitely. things that the dogs can do in these situations, albeit they are very can't. stressful situations that we just can't. Mm. You know, their, their, their sense of smell is so yeah. strong. You know, for all of our instruments and all of our technology, I know that if I put a dog into a collapsed building, if there's a survivor, they're going to find it. Whereas I know if we've got to put cameras through yeah. different places and try and find someone just looking at the vibrations and things like that. That's yeah. incredibly and when, difficult to do. And when you think the dogs are much yeah. more successful. And when you think about it, you know, our, our our intellect is our hindrance in them situations. You know, when you go in and you're looking for, let's say, somebody, somebody who's buried in rubble, you're not on that task of specifically looking for that person. You're looking for them, but you're going, that might fall, that might catch fire, that might happen. Mm-hmm. The dog isn't isn't confused by any of them things. The dog is on point. I, this is my job. I find this and I get this. They're not critici- they're not they're not judging whether that might happen or this might happen. So they're completely focused on that job. Mm-hmm. And I think from from a person at home perspective, again, again to make, you know, something that I think everybody can relate to, and I know that I've recorded this with my own dogs, is mm. you will see them, I'll see my own dogs dive into gorse bushes yeah. to retrieve a tennis ball. Yeah, yeah. Or you may have your dog jump into a freezing cold canal to mm. go and get a stick. Mm. Or something where you think, whoa, no, I wouldn't do that. There's no way. No, that would be horrible. I'm not going to do it just for that outcome. But there is that, you know, as we often say, that, distinction that needs to be made between what we are as species and what each species thrives on what they enjoy doing you know and how we interpret situations as well yeah 
I think that's absolutely. A really good point. I mean, you know, even if I think about Luther and the work that we did with Luther, Luther a, a, was a really anxious dog. He was stressed by everything in the environment, and that made him react to those things because he saw everything as a threat. He didn't realise that the environment was actually a very neutral environment and it wasn't until we did the work with him to get him to focus on me and not the rest of the stuff that he started to realize oh no actually this is what I do this is my job this is my task I need to focus on on my mum and ignore the rest of the stuff and the difference in yeah. his demeanor now after doing the work that that dog really needed is phenomenal he doesn't find the environment stressful anymore at all He's and he was really very solid. stressed in that in, in really any environment stressed. with people yeah. but we put the people in the background and as he's at every person he passes, nothing bad happens. Yeah. You can't help but getting good experience from yeah. that. Yeah. Any kind of like, you know, negative mental health state, if you like, in terms yeah. of or in related uh, relation to stressful situation generally comes from an inability or a perceived inability to be able to predict or control what's going to happen. I, I, if something happens, I can't do anything about it. And I don't know when it's going to happen yeah. or if it's going to happen anyway. And by putting in, if you say to somebody, okay, we're going to give your dog the ability to handle a situation better. And we're going to do that by teaching your dog how to do something where there is a need to do that. And there might be mild stressors involved in that. Your dog may want to run away because mm. that's what your dog wants yeah. to do your dog may want to run down the fire escape yeah. but you're not going to drop off the end of it yeah. nothing yeah. bad is going to happen at the yeah. end of it build yourself this is a safety behavior this is a forget about the world forget about these things that you're afraid of these things aren't going to happen yeah. to you yeah. you can predict because you're doing mm. this you can control because you're doing this yeah. listen to me let's work together mm. boom and it's not too dissimilar to what you're going to do with your child only the difference is you can you can explain and you can rationale to to another human being, but you can't actually do that to a dog. So in in short, we'd say lead by example. Just show the dog, give the dog a learning outcome that nothing bad will happen, and that's the message that the dog will take from that. Yeah, if you can't if you can't explain something verbally, if you cannot you know convey information verbally, then I must experience. Yeah, yeah. I must 100%, experience. And yeah. from that experience, I can base my expectations upon which to base my behaviour. If I'm not going to provide you with those experiences, yeah. because I don't want to, because I think that you may find them on some level stressful. And again, coming back to the mm. fact that just because I think you may doesn't necessarily, scientifically speaking, mean that you do. I am preventing you from being able to break free of your own chains, to face your yeah. own demons and to show them that they do not exist. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You have the confidence, you have yeah. the ability to to go through and to deal with this. And a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stress when it relates to dogs is unnecessary because we can't necessarily know why, yeah. exactly why the dog is feeling yeah, like yeah. that. I can't ask you, but all I can say is this is what we have, this is what we're dealing with. This is how you're yeah. going to get through. I, lo I love working dogs through this kind of stuff. Of all the stuff that we do in the training center, that that's my favorite thing to do because you always see that that body language of relief once they've gone through. Oh, there was nothing to worry about there. It's similar. I went in co-steering. Have you ever done co-steering? I went no. co-steering at the weekend. So you basically go along the coast and where the rocks get high, you jump off into the sea and then you get back out. And you, it, it, some of them are quite big jumps, you know, 20, 20 metres so in, in some cases. Only do this with a professional. Yeah, yeah, of home, course. We just do it I, don't, I don't need a load more rescues. Now, mm -hmm. now where I'm going with this is they put, there was only a few of us. They put us with a group and um, there was two girls in particular in that group that were absolutely petrified and you could see they wanted to jump off them rocks so much because their friends done it but they just couldn't bring themselves to do it and we all cheering them on and we were all giving them encouragement and do you know when they done it the, the 
the joy in their face and everyone after that they were jumping off and off and it just like released that 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 temporary stress of that situation yeah. but my point being it's the same thing of there was nothing to worry about there was fear. nothing to worry about you've overcome something that you that you, it was an irrational fear fear of the unknown like turning on a light switch yeah yeah okay sab so there was no long-term health or behavior indicators to, to suggest chronic stress but was there anything to suggest acute stress like stressed in the moment well, they weren't in those studies, but I did find another one that looked at injuries and illnesses amongst, again, urban search and rescue dogs, like the ones I was talking about earlier on, that were deployed to Haiti following the earthquake there in 2010. Wow, yeah. um, awful earthquakes that, yeah. there, really, really difficult. Um, and it talked about how, how stressful the environment was. And the hours were really long as well for both the dogs and handlers. The dogs were working a total of 250 days, um, more than one and a half thousand hours, and they were working 12 hour shift so really really long shift did they get well. paid overtime sub <laughs> it, it, it's not my service I'm I mean someone, someone that needs to be on that you know <laughs> they, they must have some sort of union rep something yeah. that is a long time that is it a is long isn't it time. it is I yeah. bet you they didn't moan but no in seriousness uh, many of the dogs experienced some kind of issue when they looked at them um but despite the really extreme working environment, most of the issues that the dogs did experience were actually quite minor and they resolved within two weeks. So they weren't long-term mm. issues. And the most common issues were dehydration and wounding. So they yeah. cut their paw on something, which is not a surprise given the situations that they were working in. And they had things like eye discharge. Mm. Now, the one thing that they had that is common with stress was an appetite decrease. Um, but also, it was super hot. That right. can also be yeah. equated to drive. If they're working hard and they've got high drive, dogs in a state of drive don't really want to eat that at yeah. the time of drive anyway, do they? I have to say, if you're working 12-hour yeah, shifts yeah. and happy. you're hot, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, the, you know, those sort of, like, indicators are more environmental stressors, surely, yeah. than they are, aren't yeah. they? Than they are, like, and stress, stress. That was my interpretation mm. when I read the research, to be honest. It wasn't immediately obvious that any of it was linked to the stress of the conditions. Rather, it was the response to being in the environment itself. You know, the heat, the dust, the, yeah. you know, the, the sharp objects that they're going to come across and cut their paws on. That was for me more so than than the stress mm. of the situation. I took my dog out for a for a run for an hour three days ago, you know, to do some training with, and at the end of it, he's panting like mad, you mm. know. I cut the end of his tail from where his tail was beating around in the, you know, that is largely mm. largely environmental, isn't it? But there is something though, isn't it, about how how well how well people can even recognise stress in their dog. So you know, you describe that, Danny, and you've worked with dogs a long time, and you see the impact on them. You see the the way that the drive that the dogs have, the motivation that they have, changes the way that they feel because they're so aroused, they're so into what they're doing, mm -hmm. and it blocks everything else out. And you recognise that, and then you know what to do as a result. But I mean, you know, you guys have worked with lots of people, lots yeah, of dog yeah. owners over the years. But you know, it's interesting to look at the signs with dogs and how well people do or don't recognise yeah. the signs in dogs. And what's, do we have science talking about how well people can recognise well, the... We must have science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have got science. Fortunately for science, you, my dear Sam's got science for science. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, I mean, take dog training professionals aside, 
generally people aren't that great at spotting when their dogs are actually quite stressed out. There was a survey that went out and it surveyed um, well over a thousand owners, nearly 1,200 in total. And actually only about half were even able to correctly identify what stress was. So, you know, we're, we're kind of already at a point where we're not quite sure what it is that we're looking for, let alone the signs of that. Uh, and only one in five appreciated that stress for their dogs can have long-term consequences. And I mean, when you talk about the indicators, people in this survey generally got the really obvious indicators, like if their dog was trembling or whining or being aggressive, for example, or they were barking a lot or panting, those kind of things people got. And those are the ones that, you know, you can see anyone with an untrained eye could see a dog behaving like that and go, oh, I think they might be a bit upset there. You know, you can get that. But very, very few people were able to properly interpret the early signs of stress, the ones that were a bit more subtle, like the dog looking somewhere else and turning away, or the dog yawning and nose licking. And again, you know, with yawning, you have to kind of look at that in context with everything else because the dog might just be tired, granted. Mm. Um, But when you see those kind of behaviours that are more subtle, you know, even like the dog stiffening up or something, people just think, well, the dog's not moving. They weren't recognising the fact that the dog was actually experiencing stress Mm. in that situation. So actually, people generally we're not that great at calibrating whether our dogs are even experiencing stress or not sometimes we also see what we want to see yeah i've took my dogs out and just observed them and i can watch them you know there's so many emotions you can see in that dog like ralph the other day i took him out i was just watching him play with flint and wind caught a bag that was in a bush and straight away his tail went down and and then he went on about his business if i had to put that as one clip that dog's stressed he's stressed my point is you know, if you really think about it, you must feel stressed 10, 20 times a day. You brush it off and you move on. And the same thing is happening with your dogs. You know, th- the world is not a stress-free world. We have to we have to adapt and overcome. And sometimes just because you've seen some stress, it doesn't mean it's anything, anything, you know, bad's happening. It just means, oh, that particular thing or them particular circumstances are a bit unfamiliar. Now we, we, we dust ourselves off. And we move on. Um, I had someone comment a while back on a video I was doing with Wade saying, he's stressed, his ears are back. If you listen to the video, you can hear the wind hitting the camera. We're walking into the wind. So the dog's got his ears back because the wind's hitting him in the face. It's just people sometimes like want to see what they want to see. And, and do you know what? I think the flip side of that is sometimes people don't recognise the stress yeah. in the situation. So like, if a dog is constantly chasing cars, for example, constantly getting over it's around. A collie. Whenever, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a collie, yeah. yeah. But, you know, if, the, if they're then not addressing that with a professional trainer or with someone with the expertise that can help them to do that. A dog's living a life where they're Mm. always experiencing stress and that chronic stress can have a really bad impact on their health. It can shorten their life. And when we have such massive access to information and usually that information has people's two pence worth in comments underneath, people are subconsciously seeing things, taking it on board and obviously it's subconscious so they're not realising it. So so they might see a a load of comments of the same nature. That's stress for that particular thing and you don't think nothing of it. But then now, three weeks later, you see something similar and you think the same now because you've absorbed this information that's from no one who's in an industry that can really say that this is that or this is the other. Do you know what I mean? Brian from Crinkly Bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's um, I think it's so important, like when you were saying there about the bag, you know, in the yeah. wind. Life doesn't care. Life no. doesn't care if you're stressed or not. Our job as trainers, as dog owners, is to know that and to experience that. 
and to allow our dogs to experience that and go through and realise there's yeah. nothing to worry about. The other thing is, of course, dogs are reading our responses all of the time, aren't they? And if we are stressed because we're anticipating our dog doing something in a situation, then the dog may well feel stressed because they're looking at us and reading us and then taking their cue through social referencing, which is when the dog is looking at us to decide what to do next. They literally take their social cue from us and then the dog starts to behave in a stressed way. But, you know, there's tons of research on this. And I, I really think that the take home is that the things that we find stressful aren't necessarily the same things that our dogs find stressful and vice versa. Yeah. But one thing that I do want to do before we move on. We've spoken a lot today about the emergency services and working dogs and their handlers who have done some phenomenal work. And there are so many people alive today who owe their lives to those emergency service workers Absolutely. and their dogs. And we just want to thank you for your service. Absolutely. 100%. And now we've got some eminently sensible practical tips. Gentlemen, what can we do to help our dogs deal with stress? I think just taking a pinch from, dare I say, from um, what we've seen and been discussing them with working dogs and applying it to your pet dog at home. If your dog has purpose, they're less likely to be consumed by the environment around them. As Sabrina was talking about earlier on, it was definitely the case with Luther. He was too hypervigilant on his environment and he was w become wary of people. When we gave him purpose, i.e. A, a fixed heel position, the environment started to fizzle out into the background and he weren't too interested. Try not to make mountains out of molehills. Um, and just because your dog might seem temporarily stressed by one thing, it doesn't mean that it needs you need to stop everything that you're doing and specifically work on that thing. Sometimes the best course of action is to just move on. Let's just walk through it and everything's fine. I think that this could start, you know, right from puppyhood. Yeah, right from when absolutely. you first take that, uh, that pup home and you begin with it. And there are things that you allow the pup to experience that perhaps they may not love. You know, like moments of isolation, periods of being on their own, putting even down to putting on a lead and collar and moving forwards and the amount of puppies that think, oh, first time I've experienced that kind of pressure taking yeah. me forwards. And so many people, you'll know this, will, will and do make the mistake of yielding to that pressure yeah. themselves. So they, yeah. they put the gentle pressure on the lead. It's gentle pressure. I'm not pulling you into the mouth of hell. We're yeah. just moving forwards. I put the gentle pressure on. The puppy thinks, oh, I've never experienced that before. And as the puppy moves back and pushes against the pressure, the owner thinks, oh, sweetheart, it's okay, and gives. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely yeah. understandably. It's completely yeah, yeah. understandable because you've got a young puppy and you're thinking, oh, no, I don't want to do it. But if you think, no, no, you must move. Just one paw, just one paw. To and as soon as that paw moves, boom, pressure's gone. Well done, sweetheart. Yeah. Now I bring it in. But instead of you teaching to fight and resist and, you know, give yeah. to what you perceive to be a negative state, a stressful state, I teach you right from then how to place one paw in front of the other and navigate life. A big wing, a big one to mention would be um, controlled exposure. A lot of unpleasant outcomes that your dogs um, gain are from you just leaving the dog to do as they want when they want. For example, flight behaviour. If you're letting your dog off lead too soon, and you have and you're in areas that you've not proof tested, like traffic or or um, loud children in a park. If you've got your dog off a lead, they're going to learn to flee from these things quite quickly. So controlled exposure, you know, simply having a lead on your dog and controlling the outcome. So flight is impossible. You just come back to your owner and you get a biscuit for that. Not letting the dog practice this unwanted behavior, which is going to perpetuate irrational fear 
is a really is a really good tip for people at home. Just to jump, if I if I can yeah. again, just to jump back in on the word that you used there, which was thresholds. And a lot of people think about thresholds as simply being the entrance to your door, yeah, you know, yeah. in and out of your yeah. house. But thresholds, if you think of it as being more your dog's limit. At that moment, their limit of what they understand, of what they're prepared to do. And a lot of the time, a lot of owners receive information or advice to keep their dogs below that. So it's almost like, here is my level of what I'm uncertain of and what I don't understand. I'm going to keep you below that. Whereas teaching a dog to go beyond that threshold, to realise there is no monster when you open the wardrobe doors, and to be able to push them forwards will really, with patience, with time and patience, and the right way of doing Mm -hmm. things, you know, at a little bit of pressure, plenty of praise and reward for doing the right thing will help you to develop a very very solid adult dog and i guess that's the key isn't mm. it being patient yeah Yeah, absolutely and lastly i'd say have a strategy for potential stressful situations don't don't allow it to just happen and then baby your dog through it and try and nurture them have a learning outcome what what is my objective for this what do i want for you moving forward and work to obtain that objective don't just live in the moment and then go to bits and pick your dog up because your dog's not going to learn nothing from that. I have read research that showed actually that um, by petting your dog, if it's upset, actually it has a bigger impact on their stress and they experience more stress yeah. and they perform that behaviour more as well. Mm. So it's not good. Is that because of... Let's get posi- that on posi- a T-shirt. Mm. Is it because you're positively yeah. reinforcing a stressed state? Would that be the reason? Uh, yeah, I would that? argue so. And, uh, we're, uh, you know, even minimally, you could just give the dog an unhealthy coping outlet. Yeah. If the dog snuggles into that hand and is not really dealing with what's going on at the time, mm. that's not really happened. So now the next time they see it... Oh, what's this? Do you know what I mean? It's reinforcing that that situation is stressful and the stress response is the right response. I I just, you know, uh, quickly, but I just just have to say that in all of the things that we discuss and in all of the things that we we have discussed, this to me, the ability to be able to create a solid animal yeah. to be able to navigate life is the most important of all. Yeah. If you've got a dog that is confident, like you were saying about controlled exposure, so rather than people think, oh, I need to socialise them, you need to go out and see more, pu-. nothing wrong with that, yeah, do it in a controlled way, yeah. or I need to see more people, I need to see more environments, but do that in such a way that none of that matters. Yeah. The yeah. only thing that matters is mm. me, you, and what we're doing. And just take your time, develop it, don't you know create create an absolute waterfall of things that you feel that you must do just take everything in your stride and your pup will do the same thing and we've got some great questions from our listeners we have actually okay i'm a professional dog handler and i inherited a two and a half year old malinois which is a strong driven dog right yeah uh, two and a half year old malinois who's had several handlers and a few issues my main problem which which I would like all of your perspective on, is the avoidance in the dog. For example, the dog can be recalled. He comes bounding in, wanting a fuss, and then he goes off again. A recall is made, and he stands out as if he doesn't know what the command is or who you are. Now, I know a lot of people who've had this situation, Mm -hmm. a heck of a lot of people. If you recall again, he walks off the other way, looking over his shoulder. (laughs) Sounds a lot like my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, just after a view on the behaviour and how best to do a reset of it. Uh, then background, a bit of background for you. In exercises, if he's rewarded with a toy that you don't have control of, he'll run off with that and self-reward and sit in the distance, out at a distance. Okay. It really does what sound do like my I daughter. Do? <laughs> what do I do? What are you going to say? Danny, let's... First of all, I wouldn't label that as an avoidant behaviour. 
I would I would simply say that from the way that you've asked the question, you're giving the dog too much freedom of choice. So once the dog's practiced actually ignoring that recall, then that becomes self-reinforcing by itself alone. And if the dog has something of value, then what do you have to compete with that value? So the first thing you can do is take that right back and not allow that dog the mm-hmm. choice of of ignoring you. So I'd have my dog on a long line. I wouldn't leave the dog with anything of high value. Everything high value would come from me. And every time that recall word was there, I would produce that, that reward of high value. If the dog chooses to ignore, we can use a bit of lead pressure to gain them back and then build up a bit of, a bit of praise, a bit of, a bit of, um, get a bit of drive in the dog, want the dog to run back and you can play tug of war. And um, before you take on any other action, there's, you know, there'll be people out there that'll say, you know, you can correct that behavior. But for me, the starting point is, not allowing the dog to practice ignoring the recall command. Can I just say as well, to add on to that, I completely and utterly agree with you, and it's something that I deal with a lot with people, and you do get that uh, person thinking, you understand what this means, you're just choosing not to do it. You're being stubborn or whatever in this situation. What the dog understands is that I come back on this occasion, but on this occasion I read your body language and I know to keep out, and the reason that I keep out is because I'm probably expecting that you're going to try and take hold of me and take hold of the toy because that's my past experiences. So I'm simply acting in response to you, and I'll just say what you said there, Danny. Get a line on the dog. By anybody who doesn't mean just a long line, not a retractable lead, but a long line with a nice loop handle on the end, about 10 metres that you can clip onto your dog. Mm -hmm. And you can make sure that when you call and it's that situation, move, move backwards, call, encourage the dog to come in, you know, so that you can prevent that from happening. You'll hear a a lot of pet owners say, you know, he knows this, he just doesn't do it. Well, in short, if your dog doesn't do it, he doesn't know it. It's, It's that simple. Second question. Yes, please. Not quite as long. (laughs) Okay. My dog gets really stressed out when I take her out in the car. She pants and whines and she doesn't settle. How can I deal with it to give her more confidence? This is something that we've just been talking about in the development of confidence, Mm -hmm. haven't we? Yeah, um, I started with that one. You can start with this, Jamie, and I'll add to it. If you're, again, to go back to like on the recall thing there, if your dog performs a certain way in a certain situation and they continue to do it, then on some level, the dog is finding some reward in it, some value in it. You know, they don't gen, unless you're talking about a dog that's had inadequate, not enough exposure when they were younger, or the owner has perhaps put the dog into a car and made something of it, or the dog has come from a situation, which is for a lot of people, where it's perhaps a rescue animal that you've had no control over, so you don't really know why they're doing doing that. But ultimately, what you're left with is what you're left with. You're left with a dog that's whining and whimpering and whatever in the car. Some dogs can do that out of excitement, out of anticipation that they're going out and they're going for a walk. Other dogs, we could think, oh, no, she doesn't like it, or he does in this instance, she doesn't like it. So it's something that I need to address because the dog's stressed. So the very, very basic first thing that I would do in a situation like that is I'd leave the car door open, I'd bring the dog in, that's where you're fed. That's where your food takes place. Anything positive happens in that vehicle, gradually increase the duration. I'm not talking about something that's going to take you weeks or months or anything else. Build up the duration, start the engine, move a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And actually actually build that up. Yeah, and yeah, that's exactly where I was going. So the the process, if you want to research it, is called stress inoculation, isn't it? We're we're all familiar with it. So basically what you're going to do is, if it is in fact stress that's causing this, is you're going to break the situation down to the most, let's say the smallest bit of stress you can subject the dog to. As Jamie said, you can start feeding the dog. But I think it starts before that. So if there's a ritual that you do to get in that car, that could be the trigger to the stress in your dog. So for example, 
example, if you always put your coat on and pick your keys up, then you're going to actually have to do that and then feed your dog in the car. And that will be the precursor for being fed. Slowly, slowly catchy monkey with these sorts of behaviors. Do not do this two times and then go on a two hour drive and expect it to be fixed because it's just not going to. Slow and steady wins the race with this kind of behavior. And I would also say just to f finally to add to that as well, if it's something that's more than that, if you've tried that and it's really, really problematic, I've worked with people who've bought yeah. a second car because one member of the relationship can't stand to be in the vehicle whilst the dog's whining and barking in the back of the car. You know, it's been pretty severe. But I would say if you're in a situation where it is that bad and you've tried this and this doesn't seem to be working for you, please get online, seek out a responsible, reputable trainer yeah. who is able to, and this is key, they're able to demonstrate to you what they will tell you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. get somebody who's got experience of this to be able in, to help In you very, out. very rare cases, Dogs can be really anxious and stressed in cars. I've known professional dog handlers that have that have had to get new dogs for work because of this situation. Yeah. Especially with search dogs, the you know the, they get nose fatigue mm. um, very quickly when they're that stressed in a car. It's unlikely that it's something that you can't resolve. They are rare cases, aren't they, Jamie? But as Jamie said, make sure you you're, um, you're seeking out a reputable dog trainer. What about some icks? I haven't been icked in a while. Ick me. Um, we're gonna have to go again. Yeah. Can you have that? Yeah. Can you have that? Yeah. I've been icked in a while. Somebody yeah. icked me. Yeah. We've got Sandy from Balls Green in Kent. Sandy says, people who try and soothe their dog that's going crazy instead of dealing with the behaviour. Ooh, just I'd, what we were talking oh, about. I was just going to say, yeah, so that yeah. slots in beautifully yeah. with what we've just been yeah. saying. I think when you're at him. Good when slotting, you're in, Sandy. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you're an experienced dog owner or a trainer, you know, these kind of things can be really frustrating to see. But what we have to understand is, you know, people, anyone can go out and get a dog and, you know, these people have probably had a dog all of two minutes and they don't know any better. They're doing their best. They are they? doing their best. Everyone everyone means well. No one goes out to get a dog to, to not mean well. You know what I mean? The other thing is if you were with someone who was getting really stressed and really upset, the first thing you do is go... Oh, it's all right. Yeah. So, of course, it's the most natural thing for yeah, someone to do. Yeah, and it's what we would do to a person next to yeah, us. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. But it's helpful for for us to be able to explain to people why that's yeah. not a good thing to do. Which, as we've, yeah. as we, it just kind of reintroduces yeah. that stress. It, 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 and yeah. it's not helpful for the dog. And whether it's from a place of stress or, or, or just arousal, yeah. it's a behaviour that, you know, that needs to be rectified. We need to teach the dog what the desirable um, outcome is for that. So, again, you know, maybe... Uh, Give them a little uh, card for me or Jamie and we'll get that sorted. <laughs> for Danny. But not yeah. a give, that, give that one to yeah. Danny. <laughs> okay, next one. We've got Mirik from Cockbush Avenue. The kind of Cockbush. Cockbush. That doesn't sound like that. It really does. Mirik from Cockbush Avenue. <laughs> right, okay. And Mirik says, people who push their dogs to interact with people or other dogs that they clearly don't like. I'm 100% with you on that. Yeah, yeah. 100% that, that with you on that. That is not really anything as a novice dog owner you can excuse. If your dog's going off its head and clearly demonstrates that it's not comfortable around something, why on earth would you push that sort of interaction? Um, so if you're watching that and you do that, just don't stop it. <laughs> yeah, stop it now. <laughs> yeah. There is something Consider with... yourselves chastised. Yeah. There is something with this, though, that some people think that because their dog doesn't want to say hello to someone, they're suddenly being antisocial. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people put pressure on themselves yeah. sometimes to have the perfect dog instead of advocating for yeah. their dog in those kind of situations. Because yeah. it's. But also, if it's really obvious that your dog is going off and not liking it, 
normally people can tell that mm. but exactly the same point in the earlier study that we looked at not everyone can really spot those early telltale mm. telltale signs of the dog not liking it you know them looking mm. away or moving their head how many times have you seen someone go to pet a dog and they move their head out the way because the dog doesn't want to interact but they carry on petting yeah. it anyway so the oh, dog well, is that's then just like an invite it. well it's going to make me do it more I love yeah. dogs me dogs love me yeah, I think yeah. dogs love me <laughs> I think it's also important that we respect genetics as well you know a lot of times then behaviors can be rectified but sometimes you know some people just don't like interacting with people we have introverts and we have extroverts and we've also heard cases of people who've resented parents for being too pushy and forcing them into situations sometimes your dog's just genetically not going to really want to mingle with dogs and that's okay so try not to kind of push what you want for your dog onto your dog if your dog's demonstrating that that's not yeah. really what they're about really yeah i was you you would not you would not walk into a restaurant and go, I'm here! No. And go over to everybody and say, look, here I am, here should I am. I not expect everybody yeah. Yeah. Should I not do that? Next Should I not do that Not twice. <laughs> not at the same restaurant. They saw you the first time. But um, do you know what I mean? It, it's not, it's this, again, it's it's the, the sort of like um, the controlled exposure yeah. rather than the socialisation. He just wants to say hello. Yeah, yeah. My, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, On yeah. we go. Yeah. Great I, questions, though. Absolutely great questions. Thank you. How can people get in touch if they have more, Jay? Okay, if you want to get in touch, you can find us on at Dog Scholar Podcast on social media, or you can email podcast at thedogscholar.com. Very expertly done. Well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for this week. But if you have enjoyed this episode, please do share it with a friend, because if they don't like it, maybe their dogs will. Danny, over to you, mate, for the final thought. Dogs and people don't always find the same thing stressful. If your dog's struggling with environmental stress, allow them to perceive that stress as only in the background. And what you'll find is they digest that information much more easy. See you next week. Oh.